Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting from my home on air with Jeffrey Gann, my co-founder. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. So this is the new format that we're going to be rolling with going forward. Jeff and I are not working next to each other um, anymore. We are not filming next to each other anymore with everything going on in the world with coronavirus. Uh, so we are locked up in our house. Jeff's in Plano, Texas. I'm in Dallas, Texas, all of about 30 minutes away. And we're going to do our best to make this quality come through uh, really as best as it can <clears throat> to um, you know talk about everything that's going on in the world and everything that's going on in the markets right now. Um, you can expect Monday through Friday uh, a podcast and a YouTube video coming from us, uh, really just going on what happened from the day. I think there's so much that's going on. Everything's changing every single minute. Um, so we think it'll be good for our voice to be out there, uh, really because a lot of people have been asking. They're like, where are you guys at? I need your voice during this time. Um, and we haven't uploaded a video in about a week and a half or a podcast in about a week and a half. And really, that's because we haven't been working next to each other. Uh, but I think we got our setup set up now. Uh, so bear what, with us if the quality doesn't come through as good as it normally does. Uh, we are doing this over Skype, but we're just going to roll with it and kind of make the best of it. So today is, what's today's date? It is March 18th, 2020. Crazy day in the markets. Um, what we're going to be doing is every single day we send out um, the Focus Compounding Daily, which to join that and get that in your email box every single day, uh, Monday through Friday, you can enter in your email right here. And then around three o'clock after the close, you will get um, an email that looks something like this. And what this email is, is there'll be some links in there and we're going to really kind of grow it from here. So I, I suspect it will look different over time. Um, but it'll really be just links from the day that I thought were interesting, um, as well as um, a question that somebody had emailed into Jeff and then his response to that. And if we think that's a good question and answer for a lot of other people, maybe it would be on other people's mind as well. Uh, we definitely want to get that out to everybody. Um, to be able to ask Jeff a question, you could actually go to this bottom and, and click ask Jeff a question of your own, and that will send that to his email. Before we get into everything, if this is the first time that you're tuning in with us here today, be sure to check out all of our content. Follow me on Twitter at Focused Compound on Twitter. Again, that is at Focused Compound. That's the best place to get all the content that we put out. If you are uh, watching with us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up, pumping out five videos a week. Uh, tons of investing content. We are the number one value investing podcast in the world, soon to be the number one YouTube value investing channel in this world as well. I want that plaque on my wall where I about a little bit over 2,000 subscribers. Um, <clears throat> so we got to get to 10,000. See, my voice is kind of gone. I hope I'm not getting sick, Jeff. I hope I'm not getting sick. It's good that we're not working next to each other. Uh-huh. So today, March 18th, uh, the letter that we sent out or the email that we sent out uh, was a question on Frost. Obviously, banks have been in the news lately. I could actually pull this up. Let's see what banks did today. Um, it looks like every bank pretty much got obliterated. Market closed down. Uh, this is the SPX, about 5%. There was a lot going on in the news today. Um, Bill Ackman was up on TV talking about you know his concerns with everything with the um, economy 
And, um, you know, he, he's calling for pretty much an economic shutdown for 30 days as opposed to, um, you know, us going through this for the next 18 months. And he got a little emotional uh, on TV, which was, um, you know, interesting to hear. And he's a very passionate individual. Did you listen to that individual? Uh, I, I did not see the interview, no. Yeah, you did not. And actually, I ran a poll afterwards on Twitter, um, which I could pull up right here, uh, asking if people agreed or disagreed with everything that Bill Ackman was saying. Let's see. I think he actually just tweeted. Okay. No, he didn't. People are just tweeting back at him. Um, and to my surprise, 53.8% people agree with him and 462 uh, disagree with him. That was on 210 votes. So pretty much nothing, 50-50 even. Um, that was a 30-minute poll that I ran. And, you know, it was interesting. I thought it was something that needed to be said. And um, I really encourage a lot of people to watch that interview and listen to it. And it's actually the first link uh, in the email, which is hell is coming. And um, it says Bill Ackman has dire warning for Trump CEOs if drastic measures aren't taken out. And pretty much, Jeff, since you didn't listen to it, okay. what he was saying is that no business can survive 18 months of a shutdown. And but he does think that most businesses can survive a month and that he thinks that Trump should basically do a 30 day holiday. Nobody's going to work. Everyone's staying home with their family. There's no rent due. Um, everyone gets checks, you know, everything like that. Um <clears throat> But, uh, you know, he thinks that's a good way to counteract the spread of the virus because he thinks it's only going to get worse. The compounding effects of the spread he thinks is going to have grave risk to the economy. And if we are fighting this for the next 18 months, well, most businesses are going to go bankrupt. And basically, you can't bail out every single company, uh, which, you know, obviously, we're seeing a lot of the stuff going on with bailouts in the market now. Um, any thoughts on that, Jeff? Uh, well, I think mathematically, you need to do more like two months uh, if you're doing nationwide. Uh, but otherwise, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, he um, pretty much was saying, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's do it for a month. Let's contain the virus. Let's, you know, I mean, a vaccine is more than a year away, potentially. And, you know, let's contain the virus. And he, unfortunately, a lot of millennials and individuals that are younger um, are still going out and uh, going to bars, you know, being out and about because they're not worried about them being affected. Uh, but of course, then they go home where they're around their parents and, um, you know, then it, it's easy to to spread it to them. And he was actually talking about, I think it was February 26, they shut down their firm and allowed all of their employees to work from home. And um, he was saying that, you know, his his whole firm thought that he was a lunatic because he said that, you know, I usually have maybe no more than $200 in my wallet, but he went to the bank and actually took out a ton of money from the bank. And, um, you know, he's very concerned about it. He's very concerned about the compounding, you know, exponential spread that could potentially happen because the virus is so bad. And obviously nobody knows that when they have it and, um, you know, the spread could just be terrible. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I've talked a little bit before about that. You need to be thinking in terms of 2020 and 2021, um, that there'll be various outbreaks in different parts of the world. Sometimes it may be parts of the world that economically people don't care a great deal about. So there are parts of the world that aren't that badly affected now, but you know, Africa and places like that, that might be affected a lot in the future. That probably won't hurt stock markets a lot. Uh, and the stock market will probably recover a lot before um, you see the, you know, uh, before you see the virus actually being contained worldwide and stuff, which could be pretty far away. 
Sure. Um, next link that we went over, Dow drops 1,300 points, S&P 500 loses 5% as coronavirus market sell-off reaches new low. Uh, we, I think we just kind of hit it on that. Uh, and then the main link I think that was most important was Senate has the votes to pass coronavirus relief plan to expand paid leave. Uh, sent, uh, sent it to Trump. So, um, you know, the stimulus that they're talking about injecting in the markets, it keeps going up, I feel like, every single time they talk about it. Uh, but yeah. it sounds like they're getting that pass through to send you know, checks to everybody and, and really going down that that path. I mean, isn't it kind of crazy? And Jeff, we were just talking about this a couple seconds ago. I mean, they're literally going to send checks to Americans. I feel like we're, we're living in a, in a movie right now. Yeah, well, that would be one of the fastest ways to do it. The problems will be that there'll be people who want to say, well, don't send it to millionaires and things like that. Send different amounts to children versus adults. Uh, make sure that you don't uh, make certain mistakes doing it and stuff like that, which will slow it down. But yeah, it, I mean, the, the problem, though, is you basically need to send checks to people and businesses, and they won't do that. So um, I and also the problem, I don't like to talk about macroeconomic things that much. But the other problem is that the amount that they're talking about uh, in terms of a total stimulus and in terms of uh, the direct payments seems a lot smaller to me than if I tried to figure out the math of how big a stimulus should be. Like they've talked about a trillion dollars. If you, I mean, I would think you would want to do three times that or something. Um, so, I mean, the U.S. has, I think, like a GDP of about 20 trillion. So you're talking about stimulus of 5% of GDP. Um, I think people would expect that your GDP in a single quarter will decline by more than 5% in this uh, scenario. So that just doesn't seem like a very big stimulus. Um, I mean, it's a big stimulus, but it just doesn't seem that big when compared to uh, how big a contraction you'd expect if you actually shut things down for a while. Now, they may not be expecting to shut things down for as long as I think is likely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. And I thought, um, you know, Bill, I, I personally agreed with a lot of stuff that he was saying. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was that was very interesting. And he hasn't been on CNBC in a while. And every time he does, it's usually uh, uh, it's, it's good entertainment, I guess you could say. Yeah. Now, so different places have shut certain things down for a while and people will naturally stop doing some things. So the need for uh, mandatory shutdowns of an entire country, of entire states and things goes down if those things were implemented, you know, naturally by people right away. So, you know, people stopped flying, people stopped doing certain things, all of, uh, even without necessarily restrictions, we both live in apartment buildings, they closed everything and stopped letting people yeah. do anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, they closed the gym in my, in my building. So I was, I had my own little, I did my own little workout in my apartment yesterday because I was going stir crazy. Which is good because I mean, I'll say something controversial, but there's no reason for any gyms to be open this year or next year, as long as there's a lot of cases of coronavirus. Uh, Gyms are a very bad way of spreading it, and they're not really necessary. People can do those things at home. Oh, not really necessary. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're extreme. Well, let's do this. Do you have do you have you ever belonged to more than one gym at the same time, or visited more than one gym at the same time? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not going to make think, a point for you. Maybe. Do you think other people at gyms that you're at have also done that? Maybe. Have you ever seen people at gyms that you're at go to bars? Have um, you ever run it? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the I just see a problem in terms of if you do certain math on gyms and bars and who would be frequenting them about how quickly you would spread it in the community, especially with how many people of them wouldn't be symptomatic. So I just I, this is one of the things that surprised me in terms of how slow countries were to shut down certain things right away, and now how quickly I would shut down everything. 
I was really surprised that there weren't shutdowns of gyms and bars like immediately. And then I was surprised that there were shutdowns of like stay in place and stuff shutdowns as quickly as there were. Yeah. Uh, the shift was very fast. Yeah. Well, let's talk about airlines. You talked about airlines. Okay. So Delta Airlines today down 26%. I mean, everything, every airline is just getting obliterated. Um, the government has said that they're going to backstop them. So I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts because now there's a lot of chatter in, I guess, the investing community about what like going forward. The average airline, they said, spent 95% of its free cash flow over the past, I don't know, I don't remember the years, buying back its stock. And there's a lot of people saying that it should be written as a law if they bail out airlines that going forward, they can't buy back their stock. Um, it, like they should basically never be able to buy back their stock ever again. I mean, do you have any sort of thoughts on that? I mean, wh so what does that mean, right? Is that like they're almost going to put the airlines in a form of like conservatorship and then the the, the government could own like a, a an equity stake in this company? I mean, how would you think about that? What would your thoughts be on this? Yeah, I mean, that's unusual in the United States, but it's common in all their parts of the world. Um, the U.S. doesn't own its airlines, but plenty of countries in the rest of the world have large equity stakes or they were actually owned by the government in the past. Um I mean, it's a game of chicken between them because obviously politicians and stuff will want assurances like that. On the other hand, the airlines will fail pretty quickly. So um, <laughs> it's just a question of if the airlines are willing to risk failing to uh, not agree to something like that. Yeah. Do you, um, do you so, have any thoughts yeah. on airlines and buybacks in general after all of this? I mean, all these companies, for example, and again, I get it, right? So who could have foresaw um you know, everything going on right now, where in 08, for example, the economy slowed down, but it didn't come to a screeching halt. And, you know, with everything going on right now, this could be a screeching halt. I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think 20 minutes before the close, they came out, the airline saying that, I forget who it was, maybe it was American, maybe it was United, I don't know. Um, pretty much saying that they're, you know, revenue or whatever is going to be down 2 billion. It's down 2 billion this month month alone. So I mean, airlines is just getting obliterated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's every airline in the United States will be, if nothing happens, every airline in the United States, every major carrier will be in bankruptcy before the end of the year. Um, globally, I would expect a lot of the smaller airlines will be insolvent within a month. Um, so I think the largest U S carriers can last longer. But I don't have the numbers of how much they cumulatively bought back in stock in front of me, so I can't do the math. Yeah. But I don't know that it would matter if you had a cash pile that large. It depends on how long you expect this to go on for. But for instance, you can't not have flights for nine months and survive no matter what your financial position is. Yeah, um, and which a lot of people, to that point, that's why Bill Ackman, when he was making his point on CNBC today, he was saying that you need to contain the virus and the spread. And he owns Hilton Foods, they're one of the largest shareholders. He said Hilton Foods will be a zero if we have to do this for the next 18 months. Um, you know, all these restaurants, all these hotel companies, it will be a zero in the stock price. They'll all be bankrupt if we have to do this for another 18 months, as opposed to containing the virus for a month or two, to your point, but he said a month, um, you know, to really contain the spread. Uh, does he own Hilton, the uh, hotel company? Yeah. Okay. So you say Hilton Foods. So oh, I'm sorry. That's just because oh, we talk, that's that's just we talk, that we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we talk about all the time. Um, yeah, my bad. HLT. Yeah. Uh, well, like, so the two of us used to meet in a Starbucks in Marriott um, uh, by my apartment. 
Um, the people who staff that Marriott, that uh, Starbucks are Marriott employees. It's operated by Marriott, not Starbucks. Uh, they will lay them off. Um, I don't know if they'll end up coming back to that um, place uh, that they'll get all those employees back. And obviously, once you do that in places, those employees will find jobs elsewhere. So that'll be one of the issues. Like Amazon wants to hire people and stuff. So as people are laid off from um, uh, the company thinks we can hire you back, but they will leave them and go find other jobs. So it'll be hard for them to get staff levels back up and things. Sure. But yeah, all hotels, all restaurants, all movie theaters, all any of those things can't survive um, for a meaningful amount of time. Sure. So can you see my screen right now? I didn't share. Yeah, I I can see Marriott. Okay, perfect. Got it. Yeah. So I was just flipping through. Um, We have HLT, Hilton Foods. I'm sorry, Hilton Foods. I keep saying that because we talk about the company so much. Hilton Worldwide, um, Marriott. Yeah, we could pull back up. I mean, pretty much across the board, you know, a lot of companies just down today, of course. We we should point out, I don't expect Hilton Foods to have any solvency problems. Hilton Foods makes uh, mostly red meat packed only for groceries. It doesn't do anything for the restaurant industry. Got it. Um, Let's go over the, if I could find it, let's go over um, the Focus Compound Daily. So a question that was asked you, would you be willing to buy a bank stock like Frost now on the bet that interest rates will be higher in like eight years or sooner? So tell me about this email. Yeah, so someone asked this email, uh, sent this email in, and they basically said, well, it's a bet on the idea that interest rates will rise eventually because Frost, 20, from uh, 1990s and 2000s, it made about 20% return on equity. In the 2010s, which is after the financial crisis, it made about 10% return on equity. As long as the stock is below book value, you obviously would think that you'd get like a 10 to 20% return um, immediately uh, on your money over time, plus you would get a return in terms of it um, – appreciating to a higher price to book. So what he's talking about there is like, say you buy it at a price book. Do you have the um, quote on what Frost is at now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, if if you have something where Frost uh, book value is say like around $60 or something, then if you bought it at a price that's below that, you get two things from it. One, you get a higher yield on it basically because um, it, because the return on equity becomes your earnings yield. So if it historically has a 10 to 20% return on equity, then uh, you'd expect a 10 to 20% return on your money. But you would also expect that over time, people will bid that yield, uh, that earnings yield down, meaning that the price to book will go up to one and a half or even two times, two times being more like normal historically. So you get the multiple expansion. So you can get a very big return in the stock if it goes back to a price to book of one and a half or two times. It's like, uh, I don't know, like a four to 7%, I think, compound annual return over 10 years if it does that. Um, depending on if it goes to one and a half or to two, um, it would be, if something goes from one to two in terms of multiple, uh, over 10 years, that's definitely a 7% return. So you could think of it that way. So that adds 7% a year to your returns, plus you get a 10% or higher return just from earnings. Um, then as you can see, you're talking about returns of 15, 20% over 10 years, which sounds good. Um, the issue is, would the stock ever get back to a price to book at that level? And it would depend on interest rates. Now today, some interest rates that matter to banks, I believe, went up uh, the yields. So I think that you, since we talked, let's see, since I wrote some of those things, it's possible that it's a little easier for uh, banks now. If uh, if we look at U.S., uh, yeah, if we just go to U.S., yeah, then we can look at the yield curve. I think the yield curve steepened quite a bit. Yeah. So what matters more to banks would be like out five years, not out three months. So yes, three months is at zero, but five years is at 0.79 and uh, 10 years and 30 years is out uh, quite a bit higher. So 
I think already there's some possible signs that um, yields won't necessarily stay as low as they were in that moment. Um, I would, you know, the very, very short end of stuff, I, I, three months, six months, 12 months, that kind of stuff could go to anything. But that's more of a crisis thing that people will buy things that are as close to cash as possible. The thing that matters more is like, what's five year at, you know? And um, 0.8%, let's say, is very hard for a bank to make money uh, long term on that. You, you still have things like 10 year, I think, was at 2.8 not that long ago. You're looking at 1.2 or something now. So that's a big decline. So just their earnings is going to be down a lot. And But the question is whether those things get back to normal in a matter of 10 years or less. And if they sure. do, then banks are attractive. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And we could go through, I mean... Every single bank is obviously trading pretty much below or near its 52-week low. Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, BOK Financial, Prosperity, Bank of Hawaii, uh, Commerce, uh, Bank of N.T. Butterfield. Now, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on like a company like Bank of Hawaii, where it's more um, geographically focused, or even Frost yeah. for that matter, right? Frost has a lot of ties okay. to, to Texas. Everyone knows the price of oil has gone slaughtered. What would your thoughts be with banks like that, as opposed to like a Bank of America, a Wells Fargo, or J.P. Morgan, where they spread out the risk around the country. Uh, Bank of Hawaii obviously is focused entirely on Hawaii, and tourism will drop to like nothing there. It's a huge part of their economy. Um, but, uh, Frost has makes energy loans, so it's about ten percent of their loan portfolio. I think now that's about five percent of their assets. Um, so if every loan if the energy loan they had went bad and went and they got zero cents on the dollar on every single loan they'd lose 50 percent of their equity because they're leveraged about 10 times so about 10 percent of your um loan portfolio but you're about half and half between loans and security so that's 10 percent times 0.5 is five percent your leverage 10 to 1 that's 50 percent of your equity so they could withstand losing 50 percent of their equity and obviously there's no chance uh historically no chance that every energy loan that you make will go bad in a way that you won't have any recovery at all from it um, since you're, you know, uh, the stocks, if these are public companies, could go to zero. But it's unusual that the loans wouldn't be worth anything. Um, and even like some of them would be hedged and stuff, the energy producers that they um, lend to. Uh, yeah. Bank, of, uh, Bank of Hawaii is more leveraged company. It, it buys back stock and pays high dividends and stuff. So it maintains more leverage than Frost. And um, Hawaii is something that could be devastated by uh, economically, more so than the rest of the country. Um, just because it relies entirely on travel from the United States and from like Japan and places like that too, a little bit. Um, and that travel would just dry up completely. So it, it, there's a little tiny bit of cruise ship stuff to Hawaii too, not as much as like the Caribbean, but, uh, so yeah, it, it would be bad for them. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't like the big banks as much as like the regional banks of like yeah. Frost. And stuff. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I would, I prefer to own Frost or something like that than I would. Um, Wells Fargo or, or Bank of America or JP Morgan, probably just because those businesses have other parts to them that aren't as good. Um, JP Morgan has good parts to its business. Wells Fargo has good parts to its business, but the parts that aren't their retail banking stuff just don't earn as good returns and stuff. Um, but they're all well capitalized. Sure. Got it. And your answer was you get paid to wait owning bank stocks because they now have high dividend yields. Meanwhile, any bank 
any bet depends on whether you believe more in the super long-term past average or the current level of rates being the better predictor of future rates. And then you went into the math behind your thinking. Um, so, and like I said uh, in the beginning of the podcast, if you want the ability to ask Jeff a question and potentially have it featured on the show, uh, the podcast, uh, just click this ask Jeff a question of your own and then that will pull up a link. Uh, do you have any other thoughts or anything that you would like to go over today uh, in today's podcast? Nope, that's it. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself. Again, this is the first time we're doing this format. We actually recorded a couple of podcasts yesterday, and it was weird kind of doing it, but now I, I feel a lot more comfortable doing it. But we're going to do our best to uh, just really make the quality as best as possible. Obviously, when we're doing this over Skype, over the air, it's not going to be as good as when we're sitting right next to each other. Um, but we definitely want to continue to talk to everybody and give our thoughts and everything going on. There's just so much going on, and everything's changing day by day. Um, so we're going to be doing this uh, for the full, I mean, for, I mean, I don't know, until all this calms down, I guess we'll be going Monday through Friday and just giving our thoughts on the day and, you know, anything else that comes out. So be sure to subscribe button, thumbs this video up. If you are listening to us on podcast on the iTunes app, be sure to hit that subscribe button. It will notify you every single time that we upload a podcast. Also go to focuscompound.com. If you want to sign up for the website, use the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And I'll take money off of the subscription price. And definitely as long as you do stay a member, um, I, I, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stocks that Jeff's going to write up because there's obviously a lot of bargains. I mean, Jeff, you're finding a lot of bargains out there, right? Uh, some things are getting interesting for the first time in a couple of years. First time in a couple of years. Things are getting interesting. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in, Jeff and myself, and we will see you in tomorrow's podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompound.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along.